Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. <laughs> I thought I would change up the intro because last week Wade said I was, I was, um, what was, what did he say? He said I was like burying the intro. <laughs> burying the intro? What? What do you, what? <laughs> what? Throwing it away. Throwing it away. He said I was throwing it away by, by sort of you know, the standard that I did before that it was being thrown away. You're not actually welcoming anybody when they don't, aren't listening to what you actually say. So he's, he's calling you to be more present. Yeah. To be more present and actually welcome people to listen to the show <laughs> as opposed to saying, welcome to the ready. Blah, 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 blah. Um, I wanted to tell you one other thing before we get into all the tennis stuff. I picked up my rackets. Oh, <gasps> You did from Merchants. Yes, in preparation for hopefully some play in in a few weeks. Yeah, actually, this wasn't planned, but I had heard, I had heard through the grapevine that, you know, our provincial officials were reconsidering the um, no tennis situation. I read a few stories about that, but I still think it's less about the, the actual sport and transmission on the court and more about the mobility of people moving around to get to the golf courses and the tennis clubs like none of those activities are are obviously risky at all mm. but it's the moving around and the being on public transit to get to those things and i guess yeah. but well i mean cases are going down so all we can hope is that in the next few weeks like in my mind may 2 4 weekend is the week yeah let's it's hope the week so where things turn around so yeah hopefully we can get back on the courts that's 3 weeks from now Mm. But people are on the courts all over Europe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we've been watching. We, you've seemed to be watching a little bit more than me. Or maybe you were just paying attention to what was happening in Munich and Portugal for the men. You know, I take our job very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, you know, whenever I can, I take full advantage of the uh, tennis TV and WTA TV um, subscriptions that you mm -hmm. purchase for us. And, you know, I pop in and watch a little match here and there. And, um, you know, I think I, obviously we're going to talk about this in a second, but it felt to me this week that it was like a normal year. Mm-hmm seeing the fans in the stands um seeing all of the action happen last week i said that tennis it seemed like tennis players were really getting in the groove and that continued this week so it felt really nice to kind of have a sense of normalcy at least in the tennis world mm -hmm. were there fans at the munich event because i didn't i watched 0.0 .0 matches i know it was very bare okay 
Yeah, very bare bones. And Portugal was, there were no fans because they had those, uh, the signage covering the seats. I, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'm, I don't think so either. The really only thing I remember out of the Estoril Open, which is the tournament in Portugal, is, uh, you know, them playing, not, what is it? Drip, drip? Drip. Oh, drip, drip. Oh, they, drip. Drip, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was cute. They were, they laughed at the, during the coin toss when, they, when <laughs> just so everyone knows, uh, Moutet from, from France played our boy Dennis and as you may know they did a track together a rap track called Drip and they uh, <laughs> played that in the warm up and they thought that was cute and they were laughing and uh, Mute was laughing at the end because he won the match <laughs> <laughs> it was a cute moment for sure yeah yeah, I um, I like Mutet's game. I want to see more of him. He comes, he has good instincts. He's a little guy, but he has good instincts. Comes to the net, um, well and 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 volleys well. <clears throat> Do you think that um, based on that match and the fact that Mutet won, they're going to recreate another or create another rap song and like drop it, and like Mutet is gonna have like bars where he's like, you know. I tranced you in the first round. You were the number one seed. <laughs> they, yeah, they could do like a, you know, a territorial rap battle. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I like that. I like that. Um, do you want to talk about those two events before we jump into the Madrid stuff? Yeah, you know, I feel like last week we really put a focus on the men. Uh, this week I feel like the men took a bit of a back burner, even though there were actual <laughs> men's tournaments that, yeah. that took place. Two of them. Um, Two of them, but I mean, as you will listen to in a few moments, the women really were the star of the show this past week. Um, there was a tournament in Munich. Zverev, baby daddy, was the number one seed. Yeah. Um, I took a look at the draw. I really didn't think that Zverev had any kind of had a difficult draw. It seemed like, you know, sometimes you watch, you see these draws, and you're like, this number one seed is literally going to fly all the way to the final and capture it. Yeah. You know, he's he's on home turf. He's been playing marvelous, and he got upset by Avashka in the third round, who's a qualifier. Um, and I mean, just to wrap things up, Basileshvili. I had to practice saying his last name. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a tongue twister for sure. Basileshvili. Ended up coming away with the title. He beat, I love this guy, Jan Leonard Struff. 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 He's just a cutie, always has a backwards cap on. He gives me like a cute little vibe. And I remember watching kind of an ATP montage about him working through his way through the juniors. I'm like, this guy is going to be really good. This was his first ATP t- title that he contested. So you said you didn't watch any of the Munich. No. Okay. If you look in the tennis 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 dictionary <laughs> and you look up ball bashing lights out final this is the final there was no strategy there was literally like how hard can i hit the ball and you know it made it made me very it made me very uncomfortable <laughs> this was his first final truth yes yeah. and yeah, he's in his first. early 30s right no, is he no, not? Honey. No, Swift is like an up and coming guy. Oh, I mean, I don't think that he's a youngin, but he's definitely not in his early thirties. Okay, yeah, but um, I really had 
my heart set on Struf winning his first ATP Tour title, but Basilash really was too good. He was Basilash reeling the ball out. <laughs> he and he was a player who people were like, "What happened to him?" He kept losing and losing and losing, and then suddenly he wins in Doha. Beat, yes, beat Federer, and now he's won two tournaments. So now he's like back, I guess, back on track in a way. Yeah, I mean, again, admittedly, I didn't know very much about Basilesh. Now I'm getting the hang of it. Basilesh really, um, you know, obviously he's a name that I've heard. I've he won in Qatar, etc. But um, yeah, he he hits the. They were both bashing the balls, at, like their brains out. <laughs> Again, and I said it was it was making me feel very uncomfortable because of the you know male pent up aggression. It's like not my lane. <laughs> um, except when but, it is your lane. <laughs> ex- exactly. Except when it's appropriate for me. Um, and he ended up winning. What did I want to say about the final? Oh, there was like a cute little moment in the Munich tournament that I didn't know about. But at the end, uh, they were saying that it is tradition before the winner of the tournament accepts the trophy and the check, he has to change into a pair of Lederhosen. <laughs> <laughs> so they brought on to the court, like there were like five or six ball people and they, they kind of like wrapped around him with this banner so that his, you know, black underwear would not show. <laughs> we could see his black underwear because that's his thing. And uh, he put on a pair of Lederhosen to accept the trophy, which I thought was super cute. And what kind of German-themed trophy did he get? Any cookware? I didn't... You know what? I did not pay attention to that. I was really paying attention to his Lederhosen. (laughs) (laughs) The under part and the over part. The under and the over part. And, you know, I... I think we talked about it about this with Jonathan Scott. Maybe you had mentioned it to me before, but it's always been such a curiosity for me when men that you know they are obviously most of them are sponsored by a major brand. They have to wear a white short. Mm-hmm. Don't you have a white pair of underpants? But I think maybe their concern is that if you can see through the white shorts that maybe you'll also be able to see through the white underpant. Gotcha. Yeah. And if you have a little like dark bush action, it's mm-hmm. it's very apparent. You might see a little pokeroo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the white shorts are a thing this year. Was Striff wearing white white shorts? He he wasn't. I actually don't really remember what his kit looked like, but I mean, going back to the tennis, I thought he played phenomenally well. You know, he's this guy. It's very actually really difficult for me to kind of differentiate between like the top men's players' games. I find many of the their games and like the guys in the top fifty play the same. But needless to say, Swift was hitting lights out. His forehand was m- magnifique, and but he just fell a little bit short. Yeah, week. I think uh, Dennis Chapo has said that he's a dangerous player. He's not somebody you want to see, but you end up seeing him early on in in the tournament because he's in that sort of 35 to 45 um, rank player. And mm-hmm. uh, just a correction for you, he is 31 years old. No way. Yes, he was born what? April 25th, 1990. Jeez, I thought he was like 22, yeah. 23. So he, yeah, no, he's 31. He's, okay. Well, you, what do you call, what did, what did Jonathan call called somebody who sort of starts to emerge? 
later in his career a journeyman yeah but he didn't like he doesn't like that term no it doesn't like that term i mean now i think it's more acceptable if him and i started a relationship i mean 31 and 38 is not that much of a difference no no i mean yeah i think that would work that would work well (laughs) but you want you you like people who win titles i do i like people that win titles yeah so soon enough soon enough i mean listen 31 you still got time he he's gonna make an impression i i think this is gonna be his year let's hope so and um i watched one match in portugal the one that we just talked about and you know i think dennis he got a a wild card there and then became the number one seed and uh quickly (laughs) quickly got vanquished uh by the drip drip um and he's he's hot and cold like when he's he just can't keep it sustained yeah he just can't he can't be consistent Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's uh it's a challenge i think for both the two top canadian men right now felix and dennis and you know we want them both to be playing well at the same time and dennis won his match today but he's nine and eight on the season which is not really great for somebody who's top 15 and i mean you would expect from dennis's game because he is a lefty and you just would imagine that his lefty forehand would be so so well served on clay that he would have better results on clay but he just seems to be getting all of his best results on hard courts mm-hmm. he you overhits know? the ball that's he what does. he overcooks it which I mean, he needs to rein it in a little bit do you do you expect anything less from a rap star <laughs> but i mean look <laughs> look at what happened with sitsi when he started to rein it in on the clay and start hitting with more variety using the drop shot better doing loopy balls like now he won monte carlo and he made the final and and almost beat nadal yeah no you're right you're absolutely right i mean dennis is still young he you know he hopefully with his um with more experience he'll understand that tennis isn't about just like the flashy shots and trying to hit the winner i mean i'm 38 years old and i still think that that's what tennis is about (laughs) (laughs) but i do have to say okay esteril so munich yay congrats bachelorsvili you did really well esteril ramos vinolas defeated cam norway nori okay also playing well also playing super well um I just wanted to highlight before we get into kind of a little bit of the finals recap. It was really nice to see Kevin Anderson back playing on the tour. Maybe I had missed he maybe played a tournament before Estoril, but you know, being an ally with the LGBTQ2 plus community, I just really, you know, I, I had said previously last year on a podcast that I didn't think much about Kevin Anderson. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in digging a little bit on Kevin, he's just seems like a nice South African guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good player. Someone, another journeyman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody who started to win. And, you know, he made two. Let's not forget. He made two Grand Slam finals. And Kevin Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, girl. Okay. Educate me. When? <laughs> and- he made the Wimbledon final. Okay. Uh, and he lost to Djokovic. Okay. And he made the U.S. Open final, I believe. Jeez, what and, a what a blind spot for me. Yeah, and lost. I think he lost to Nadal in the U.S. 
U.S. Open final. So yeah, oh, he, but he's won a few tournaments now. He's won like a couple two fifties and a five hundred. So hopefully he can get back. I know he's been injured. Okay, well, love seeing him. Yeah, and Gasquet, love seeing Gasquet. Gasquet, the virtuoso. Richard, the virtuoso. I mean, he is. If I had to choose an ATP player that did, has not lived up to his potential, and by lived up to his potential, I mean win a slam, cheese. Gasquet's the guy, man. I feel bad for him. He should have won a slam. Yeah. I mean, he made the final of the Rogers Cup in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He can, he, that's what he's going to say is like, you know, his big claim to fame yeah. at, at his retirement. <laughs> I've, I mean,. What a beautiful one-handed backhand he has. Gorgeous, gorgeous. And, you know, one one other little fun kind of uh, thing that I, came out of the Estrel tournament. I know you had spoken about him before. Davidovich Fakina. Yeah. I don't know anything about him, <laughs> but I love his last name so much. I've renamed my dog Bruno Davidovich Fakina. <laughs> well done. Yeah. So when we're, like, in the park... And he's not listening to me. I'm like, Bruno Davidovich Fakina. <laughs> Get <laughs> over here. <laughs> uh, I don't think I knew his first name. I knew his last name, but not his first name. So his yes, first name he... is Bruno? No, no. No, I actually don't know what his name is. <laughs> I just am in love with his last name so much. I you know, added it to Bruno's name. All of, the, all of the people who listen to our show who think we should know more about tennis are, <laughs> are, are yelling at their their phones right now because we don't know Davidovich <laughs> Fakina's first name. I know. Oh my God. We're so bad. But okay. To wrap things up here in, in Portugal, Ramos Vinolas defeated Nori. Like you said, Nori's on fire. Um, he alongside Yannick Sinner is tied for second most tour wins this year. Only oh, wow. Behind, yeah. Behind my boyfriend, Cece pass and uh, Rublev, which makes sense because he just plays every tournament. Yeah. And, um, yeah, unfortunate. I mean, Nori is a guy that I think very much like... Uh, who are we talking about in Munich? Not Struff. Struff. No one wants to see in the first few rounds of a draw. Yeah. Um, but he slides into the top 20. So, you know, maybe yeah. he'll get... He won't get... He'll, get so he'll start to get seated and won't have to face those big guys so early. Yeah, I think, you know, Struff... Davidovich, Fakina, Ramos, Nori, um, Bublik. These are all players that you don't want to see early on. Like, Dennis mm -hmm. won his first round match against Lajevich, but now he has to play Bublik. Ugh. I, I, that would be a nightmare for me. Yeah. A pure nightmare. You don't know what he's, what he's going to do. I'm already mentally fragile, and I can't play someone that's going to toy with my like mental fortitude. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no, no, no underhand serves for you. No underhand serves, absolutely not. Okay, so let's jump into Madrid then, where there I are know. where there are fans, and it feels We're, like a bit of a grand slam. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to open the segment by asking you. Um, I know that you've been kind of popping in and watching the Madrid. You've been really kind of on top of watching the ladies this week. Yeah, yeah, because uh, this this the one thousand events are the ones that TSN covers, so I get <laughs> <laughs> I get all of the matches, and it's weird how they've spread it out. So they've allowed the women to basically play 
three days without the men playing and now the men are jumping in which i think is interesting and maybe it's because there were the uh, these other two events going on i don't know how they came to make that decision but um yeah it's been cool watching the women's matches the the early rounds have been really good quality um, matchups um and the tennis has been good as well yeah and i mean just in terms of the ambiance i did you not feel very i mean even though capacity is not at a hundred percent i forgot for this for this week's stretch that we were in the midst of a pandemic you know with all of the tennis going on it felt like you know even though like you know our day-to-day especially here in ontario where we can't do very much watching the tennis you know in madrid and uh, munich and estoril felt very normal to me and i i'm all for that yeah i like the court there i when i was watching the first round it was obviously light on fans and i I wasn't sure at that time if um fans were allowed but as as it got later in the day i think on on that first day there were more fans and now they've they're starting to be there more and more and will smith and jada pinkett smith were there on day two yeah there was some clips there were some clips of them popping around the atp tour instagram or or maybe it was a wta tour instagram of them watching some matches so yeah and the you know all the the clips that you watched they were just watching matches they weren't doing anything else no okay they were they were there so yeah there was there were some good matchups like what who are you what who are you um liking so far in this event okay i am going to say that yes i did watch many of the early round matches here in madrid and there is a theme that i'm seeing <clears throat> And I think it's going to tie nicely with a little bit of a conversation that you're going to lead in terms of your commentary on Osaka. Mm-hmm. But the women that I thought looked really strong are these women with so much variety. Yeah. You know, like, you know, just to name a few, I thought um, Shvientek looked really good. Um, I thought, who else? Oh my God. Jennifer Brady, y'all need to talk more about her. And by y'all, including ourselves, because she was playing Ostapenko. And Ostapenko, as you know, former French Open champion, like, you know, stars aligned for her, beat Halep. Like, (laughs) who can ever say that in their entire life? But, you know, Ostapenko was like, I'm going to. I'm going to bash this ball as hard as I can and try to hit all the winners that I did in that French Open final. And Jennifer Brady was not having any of it. And it's because she has so much more variety, so much more shot selection. Um, Her mobility is excellent. And, you know, Sviantec, Brady, Halep, former French Open champion herself, all of these women that have uh, more in their arsenal of shots seem to be doing really well and mm-hmm. I think our, our women to watch heading into the French Open. So you watched uh, the Brady-Venus match? Oh, my God. You, you, you made a note in our notes that it was the worst. I, I wondered why you, were, why, you, <laughs> why you wrote that. But for me, I just felt like there weren't any really extended points in that match. 
the reason why I said it was the worst is because, you know, being in charge of our social this week, I was kind of racking my brain and figuring out what am I, what are we going to post as a stagnant in Madrid? What's, what's the latest, you know, most interesting topic, topic we could post on IG? And I, and I said, you know what? We haven't done a stagnant post of, on Venus. We just finished our quarterly review with Jonathan. Jonathan reminded both of us of this beautiful quote that Venus shared, you know, at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. And I'm going to paraphrase, but essentially it went like, you know, the first time you win, no one picks you. The last time you win, no one picks you. So you've always got to pick yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just found myself in a puddle of tears weeping. Okay. <laughs> and um, I was like, Venus is in this draw. There's a legion of Venus fans out there. Let me do a post on Venus. And it was, you know, it shared the quote. And, you know, I, we posted it on the GLT Players Lounge. There were so many people that responded. Venus is so well-loved. Mm-hmm. Let's now foray into her match, first round match against Jennifer Brady. And it was painful to watch. She <laughs> made so many mistakes. Her, it, it's like her Shurgan syndrome went on overdrive. Like she looked really tired. She, she looked... wasn't moving for the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looks like she doesn't um, have as big a backswing on her ground strokes as she used to. Like there's not as much um follow through or an, uh, the same preparation for her shots and obviously she's lost a lot on her serve yeah she yeah absolutely so we're we're always going to be sentimental about venus and want mm-hmm. want her to play well but you got to you got to wonder how much more time she has left to do that to play well yeah and, you know, we put it to our Instagram poll when we did the, um, you know, Brady versus Venus matchup, who was going to win. And it was something like 93% in favor of Venus. I'm like, these people are whack. Like, <laughs> they're obviously like, you know, voting from their heart and not yeah. from their minds. But Brady, I mean, let's not forget, Brady made the Australian Open final, um, US Open semifinal, semifinal, right? And um, she's she's got a game that transfers to all surfaces. Mm-hmm. And she's just young and lithe, and she was going to get all those balls. So my heart goes out to Venus, and um, yeah, it was it's, really sad. It's good for Brady, though, too, because she's been struggling post-Aussie Open. I don't think she's won a match since she made the final. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is another... Um, not that she's anywhere near sort of Venus's likability, but she's a very likable player, likable yes. person. Uh, you want her to do well. So she's a new American, and it's exciting, I think, for American tennis to see someone like her who's fun and fresh and bubbly and has a good personality and is a bit self-deprecating. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about your girl, about Halepe. Halepe. Halepe she- is playing very well. Uh, she is on lockdown until about midway through the second set in her first two <laughs> matches, and then she uh, she l- is letting things slip. Uh, she did it in both her matches. I don't know if she's feeling bad for like trouncing them in the first sets. <laughs> uh, I think she won both first sets six love. Yeah. Uh, Soribes Tormo, you cannot let her back into the mats because she's a backboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got to five all. It got a little dicey. Um, and 
and uh, same with uh, Zhang. Zhang? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sai yeah. Sai Zhang. Yes. Zhang. Yeah. So uh, she needs to lock it down a bit more. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's got a tough opponent in the round of 16 tomorrow. Um, who did she play again? Mertens. Mertens, right. Mertens. I wanted to ask you about Sabalenka. Okay, the only reason why is because, you know, uh, opening into this segment, we were talking about how, you know, the women really to watch are the women with the versatility, with all of the shots. Sabalenka is not one of those women. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's a crusher. She, she's a crusher. Um, she's Big Babe Tennis 2.0, 2021 version. And um, who is she playing? Oh, my goodness. She, she played... Do you remember who she was playing? I was watching that match. I did. I watched both Yikes. matches. I can't, but I can't. Um, she played not Sevastova. She played um, your girl, um, Russell's My girl. girl. My girl. Russell's, Russell's girl. girl. Oh, Kasatkina. That's Kasatkina, right. Kasatkina, yeah. Kasatkina. And that was a surprising result to me because Daria is, I would say, in that group of women that have, you know, the variety with the slice and the ATP forehand, etc. But, you know, Daria, as we know, is coming back from an injury, so she's maybe a little bit... She's not as match tough as the other women. But Sabalenka was just bashing the mom. Yeah. Okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> she was like... This is not clay. This is hard. I'm just gonna crush the ball, and she's to me like the Maria Sharapova maybe on clay because Maria won a couple of French Opens, um, didn't have as much of the versatility, but still managed to win on yeah. clay. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. She is one note for sure in terms of just <laughs> crushing the ball, but she started off the match strong, and um, Kazakina didn't really have a chance. She got her way into the match slowly but Sabalenka was able to lock it down mm-hmm. I know and um, who else did I watch that I thought was really interesting um, oh okay maybe we can segue into this match now because I feel like we're going to discuss this for a little bit sure which one oh, Osaka oh yeah did you want to do you want to talk about Barty first Barty uh, she she's similar, I think, in um, in that she has lapses. Like she's still not able to sort of fully lock it down. Like she had that match against Zadancic, who is a player I know we've talked about before, but I never really watched um, any of her matches. But she she is tough, man. She is another another one of those players with variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, Zdancic. Zdancic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, you know, she took her to three sets, um, but Barty was able to um, close it out. But yeah, I think there's not really a player, it seems, on the women's side, it, on other services other than you know Osaka on hardcourt, mm-hmm. who <laughs> who locks it down in the same way. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that I would say about Barty is that girl, she tired. She won that Porsche. <laughs> you know, I, I'm i not so hard on her for going three sets against Zidansek. I think if she had fresher legs, that would have been an easy two-set match. But, I mean, Barty, for me, has impressed me the most, uh, obviously because I forgot that she was the number one player in the world last year. Right. But she is, she truly is, has been the most consistent. Yeah. In and, 2021. And she she plays Sviantec next, so that'll be juicy. <sighs> 
Ooh, that's real juicy. But we segued away from Osaka. Okay, you watched that match against Mukova? Yes, I did. Okay, give me the full rundown. What did you think? I So I watched both of her matches, the one she won and the one she lost. I thought her movement on clay is decent. I think she she's a player that people... Uh, we're probably looking to watch going into this tournament because there's mm. been all of this discussion about how she's going to do on clay and can she replicate her success on other surfaces. I just don't think her timing is quite right yet. Um, and I don't, I don't feel like you can expect to jump into a 1000 event on on a surface that you're not quite comfortable with and 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 go deep which is why i was a little bit annoyed with that wta headline that that said it was a shock win for mukova which because it's not really it's it's you know if you look at the seeds maybe the the number two versus number 20 or whatever mukova is but it's not it wasn't a shocking uh, win she has more variety she can move you around more um, and that's what she, she sort of made her uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I mean, Mukova took out Ash at the Australian Open. She's yeah. a giant killer. And so, yeah, definitely super annoying. Mukova's a girl to watch for the future. Here's my thing about Naomi. Naomi is queen on hard court, okay? And... Um, Obviously, her game transitions differently to clay. All of that power, especially on her serve, her ground strokes, her like crazy-ass forehand is diffused. And when you look at game styles, even though they're a little bit different, hers and Sharapova's, Sharapova won the French Open in a time where there weren't a lot of women playing with variety, TBH. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I think that was Sharapova's saving grace. She could still kind of out-hit most girls during her time at the French Open, which lauded her two titles. Naomi can't do that. She's got to add some more tricks up her sleeve because Barty can slice and dice, come to the net... Mukova obviously did that to her today. Um, Jen Brady, (laughs) sweetie, like, Naomi, like, we love you, and it's going to be such an interesting evolution for you to add more gifts to your game, but she cannot rely on that body. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm pulling a RuPaul's quote. Do you know that quote? (laughs) No. Like, so just very quickly, RuPaul when RuPaul feels like a girl in the competition is a one note girl relying on just one thing her look or yeah exactly she's like girl stop relying on that body (laughs) (laughs) so to Naomi like yes you've got a crazy forehand crazy serve but that's not going to get you a French Open title sweetie yeah I I agree with you but I also think she needs more on the surface like how many how many other events were there prior to Madrid that were on clay that she could have played so I think she needs to play the smaller events the the lower ranked players get some wins build some confidence Mm -hmm. and then come to a Madrid and she'll have a better chance of of going deep she can't uh, and I don't know what her training is uh, on clay in between you know not playing those tournaments she could have maybe won more matches in, and then coming <laughs> coming to madrid but 
yeah, it's clear that she it's a weaker surface for her. Um, she's put out of position more easily. Um, she her timing is off on her ground sto- strokes. You know, Sharapova figured out um, how to slide. Um, mm-hmm. I think she she can get there. She's just not quite there yet. So she just needs more more match play on the surface and you know missing four weeks and then suddenly dropping into the 1000 event is not going to help you yeah no for sure i wanted to mention because you know we couldn't we can't go an episode without mentioning one of our original og girls sakari runs mm-hmm. daiquiri yeah her first round match do you catch any of that against i have any simova i haven't caught Sac- any sakari matches so again, you know, Sakari with a lot of variety that ATP style forehand, she beat Anisimova in the first round. I think it was like love six, six, one, six, four. I did see that she lost the first set six love. I was like, what's like, going on, girl? I, I'm i I'm here for Amanda. I love an Anisimova moment. Um, I loved when she made, this, made the semis of the French Open a couple years ago. Um, and I'm just waiting for her to kind of be more consistent and um, go into the draws deeper and more consistently. But, you know, Sakari is, is I feel like she's on the precipice. Mm-hmm. She gets deep into draws. She loses, I think, more often than not to the eventual winner of the tournament. And that's so frustrating. But um, no one's really talking about her. Maybe that's a good thing. She faces Mukova. And maybe this could be her opportunity to to snag a, a WTA Tour Premier title. Yeah, that's one of the matches I have on the radar for tomorrow to watch. It'll be a good one. It'll be a juicy one. I think Zachary is one of the most athletic mm-hmm. um, players on the tour. So you're right. I think she is on the precipice, as you said. It's That's the best way to put it. Yeah. I mean, these uh, matchups that you have... Um, noted are good. So you just mentioned Sakari versus Mukova. Mertens versus Halep. Uh, what do you think about that one? Uh, I think it's going to, based on Halep not being able to lock it down, and, you know, Mertens was in tough today against Rubikina. Mm-hmm. Rubikina, yeah. very Rub- good. Yeah. Uh, so Mertens could could pull that one out for sure. Yeah. Uh, Sabalenka versus Pegula, is it Pegula? We're you know we're hearkening upon Jonathan because that's how he pronounced it. JPEG, uh-huh. JPEG, and uh, she had a um, she had a walkover because Azarenka, our girl, um, is out. Back problems, continued yeah. back problems. So that's a bummer. And then Barty versus Sviantek. Those are the four. That's the marquee matchup for me, Barty versus Sviantek. Yeah, that's... you know I think. It feels like, a, you know, the, it was kind of like the rematch of Sviantek Halep. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think Sviantek has something to prove. Yeah. You know, being the former French Open champion, these, this is the battle of the French Open champions. That's true. You know, so, uh, yeah, I think whoever stakes their claim will have a bit of a mental edge going to the, not a bit, maybe more of a mental edge going to the French. Were you happy to see Kiki back, even though she lost in the second round? Kiki, do you love me? By Drake. <laughs> Kiki, do you love... Um, I, I love a Kiki moment. I love Kiki Burton's. I think she's one of the feistiest, um, grittiest competitors. 
Um, she clearly lacked match play because mm-hmm. she really hasn't been playing any matches. I this might might be one of a few tournaments that she's already played for the year, um, and it's a shame because she when when she is uh, match tough, she's a girl that goes very deep in draws. So I mean. M- it's a shame that she had to go out so early, but I did love seeing her. Yeah, she had. She's just coming back, I guess, from an Achilles injury, and she is technically the defending champion. So, oh my god! See another <laughs> another fact that escaped. Me. <laughs> well, the tournament didn't happen last year, so she's the 2019 champion. So, uh, yeah, it was nice to sort of see her back, and she'll work her way back in, I'm sure. But the other players that got ousted early were Svitolina. But mm-hmm. and the other player that I think you asked who withdrew, who I who I didn't see her name in the draw was Mugu. Did is it Mugu that? Yeah, that's right. Mugu was the one that withdrew from from Madrid, and what a shame! Like Mugu, it would have been one of those marquee players you would want to watch to see what her preparation is going to be for the French. Again, another French Open, former French Open champion again on fire and i'm just going to hearken it back to our conversation with john jonathan she unfortunately is the player that is losing to the eventual champion yeah had she not had you know osaka in the fourth round i think it was the fourth round at the australian open she would have been hoisting that trophy tbh Mm -hmm. you know so the fact that she um had to withdraw just makes me so sad because just to throw her in the mix would have really been interesting because even though she's not one note she's not completely like you know an arena sabalenka she has a little bit more variety um i would have liked to see her in a matchup against barty on clay yeah or against halep on clay like what could she come up with well lest we forget how she won the french open against serena she hit a, a lob winner <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> a little confusion at the end yeah yeah unbelievable shot mm-hmm. what about the men they just started today we already talked about chapeau um i think it's interesting to see team back i was listening to a um another tennis podcast hosted by patrick McEnroe, and Ooh, they, nice. they had uh, johnny mac on there and he was he johnny said uh, that he felt um that team is probably one of the players who's been most impacted by the pandemic in terms of not having fans and sort of having just a bit of a struggle on the court and obviously we've seen that in in his um, lack of competitiveness uh, since he lost in the fourth round of the AO to Dimitrov Mm -hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how he does everyone tends to pick him to go deep in the French Open I wonder if people are doing that this year though yeah, I mean, this is his this is his season. You know, no one would have really expected to choose the U.S. Open as his first Slam title. I mean, having been to the French Open final before. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's me. I don't know whether it's him. I don't know whether he's just been keeping really mum about his preparation. I've seen radio silence on him from IG. You know, and I stalk him pretty obsessively because you know who want. Who doesn't want to get a snap of that juicy booty? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? But um, I don't... I mean, I think that he is a player that requires a lot of match play. 
Mm-hmm. And um, especially on Clay, I don't know what his chances are going to be. But again, to have him back in the mix is is good for is good for men's tennis, I think. Yeah, and the other who's back in the mix post COVID diagnosis is Medvedev. Mm-hmm. Another you... guy who is another player who's not so great on clay. Yeah, you. I was gonna say you seem to give him more credit on clay than I think a regular Joe would. Am I wrong? Oh no, I was just joking last week when I said he was gonna give <laughs> Sitsi Pass a run for his money on clay. Okay. No, he does. I mean, I don't. I don't know his record on clay, but he goes out early in most of the clay court events. So, mm-hmm. another player who could become a good player on clay i think he has enough variety or could develop a more variety on clay um you know with his shot selection see how he played that u.s open final against nadal where he changed things up and started serving and volleying like he Mm -hmm. can he can mix things up and try new things so we'll see how he does post his um uh, letting Tsitsipas take a, f- a title and a final. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think that your conventional big guns um, are going to take a backseat this French Open in terms of the men's draw. You know, R- Ramos Vinolas, your um, clay court specialist. Maybe I said this last year at, during the French Open, but these are the guys that are going to have a field day because, you know, without a regular clay court season and all the practice that you would require to really hone your skills on clay, mm-hmm. you know, those top players going out early, it's a clay, it's the, it's the guys that have li- literally been birthed on the clay <laughs> yeah. that are going to do really well. So I, th- I'm, I think we're up for a surprise in terms of a men's French Open champion, or I'm just going to go out and say it guys that like to grind like I think about um, Dan Evans Dan Evans Cameron Nori who I still have difficulty differentiating between um, <laughs> both sorry British. about it both British but those guys that are like you know I'm gonna go on this court and I could be on this court for the next 24 hours well that's why Nadal keeps winning I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess but yeah I think it's one of those grinders that's gonna make it really far in the draw so do we even want to talk about the men's draw? I mean, uh, the only match that I'm really looking forward to at this early stage, because it's just started, is I do hope Benoit Pair wins a match, because then he'll get <laughs> to play your boyfriend, Tsitsipas. Uh, I, I doubt it. I really doubt it. I don't think that Benoit Pair is in any <laughs> mental or physical shape. I mean, he, I mean, he literally came back from the Maldives, Right, he flew out to the Maldives. You sent him a cute message on Instagram saying, "Girl, get your life." <laughs> he took a he took a stagnant post of himself on a paddleboard, this beautiful backdrop in the tropical nation, and now he is in a Spain, and he's gonna play a first round clay match. That guy doesn't give a. You don't think he has a chance against Basolashvili? <laughs> no, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, no, 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 no. He's, I, I literally, okay. What is something that I can do? Like, what's a, what's a dare that I can do on the next episode if Benoit Pair wins? I'm telling you, there's no chance in freaking hell he's going to win that first round match against Basilejvili. Ooh, juicy. Okay, that's on uh, Tuesday, so we'll there's, have to. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> 
we should do we should do some sort of social post where we ask people what you should do if Benoit yeah. Pair wins that match. I know. Is it going? I don't know. Am I going to show my Benoit Pair? <laughs> <laughs> Nadal and Sitsi are in separate halves of the draw, so there could be another final with those two. I mean, they're playing the best on clay i think nadal has sort of worked his way through a few tough matches in barcelona he went out early in monte carlo but um i think he knows that he needs to sort of play his way in um Mm -hmm. and now now he's in that form that happens every year so he's got madrid he's got rome and then he's got a little uh time off and then he'll go to the french open and maybe win number 14 you know i maybe Okay, we were going to keep this really private, but Stephanos and I are on a break. Oh, oh dear. Yeah, we're a bit. We're on a break. He messaged me and heard what I said about um, the fact that him winning Monte Carlo was not as spectacular as people made it out to seem. Because mm. I told him that his draw was really easy. So I mean. I don't know if he's going to do really well in Madrid because he's... I mean, I'm the best thing that's obviously ever happened to him. But, um... Besides, yeah. Not not as, not even his girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> What's her name? I'm not sure. Exactly. She's got nothing on you, though. Yeah, thank you. Like, look at this hair, girl. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, Stephanos, listen, I, I am all for our desire to have the new guard take over but if you're still gonna put a dollar on it i'm always putting my money on on rafa yeah on clay yeah even though he's 34 he's still the way he the some of the shots he hit in that final were like unbelievable so he's 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 golden he's golden yeah well I think we have done. No. no, 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 no. No, we're not done, babe. Listen, okay. I wanted to, um, I wanted to share with everyone that in this time of difficulty, where people are struggling, and it's hard to find the motivation to turn on that computer and you know go to work and teach the children or whatever <laughs> whatever it is that you do as your profession the story of Carlos Suarez Navarro in Madrid is the sunshine that truly everyone in this pandemic needs right now yeah okay so you think you got it rough this woman formerly ranked number six in the world spectacular backhand like I think the most beautiful one-handed backhand that a woman has had in the game agreed um gets diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma. I'm not exactly sure when, perhaps sometime last year, underwent treatment, and then officially in January announced that she had beaten cancer. She did this beautiful stagnant post with herself in a t-shirt that said, you know, stronger than cancer. And, you know, you and I have been watching her IG stories, her out and about on the courts, practicing with Venus, practicing with a couple of players. It is such a heartwarming story. And... You know, if you think that, I mean, undeniably, COVID's affected people in a variety of ways. But if you're like around and still 
doing your thing every day and get to be on the court. Like she she hopping around from court to court and just being a vibrant little bumblebee in Madrid has been so nice. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to send her a nice little shout out. Yeah, it's very cool to see. And I know she wants to go out on her own terms with her tennis career. So plans to come back and play, which would be great. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I know she had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah, uh, and my dad had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but oh, okay. Um, so yeah, similar. I think similar, but um, yeah, my dad actually um, is clear of cancer too. As of Thursday, he got that news. So yeah. Oh my God, Jason! That is the, oh my God! I'm so happy for you. Yeah, it was That's very amazing. cool to hear and cool for him to hear as well. I was on the call with the doctor from Windsor. That is all. See, that makes that story even better that's amazing yeah it was it sort of i think happened around the same time they had similar cancers and he had a an aggressive form and had his course of treatment over three months and uh has been away from treatment for three months and had his checkup on thursday and is clear of cancer i guess uh that's her the news on hers it says cured that's kind of what they say when when the cancer has seems to be gone I, do, okay. I don't know if they're technically cured like my dad's gonna be checked for the next five years so okay yeah i mean you take whatever victories you can take yeah so that's great yeah you kind of have to just live day to day and it's nice that she's gonna get back out on the court so that is a nice way to end the show you're correct and i sorry that i forgot about it no that's okay i mean you know i was just thinking everyone needs a little ray of sunshine every day so Mm -hmm. that's a nice little story to end our show with and it's obviously nice that she's at what is technically her home event Mm -hmm. in in the spin in spain in España. well we hope everyone continues to enjoy madrid hopefully all the matches keep getting better and better both on the women's and men's side and we'll check in with you next week yeah see you next week everyone don't forget to watch that tennis yeah watch that churn as people if you can't play it <laughs> just watch <laughs> that's us okay bye bye we're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is but if you like what we're serving up Please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.